And what they need is not our judgment and it's not our advice, but it's the love of God. And again, I think a lot of it stemmed from my fear of losing her. Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to the Pantry Podcast. We're serving up Jesus, not junk food, for followers of Christ who don't want to just exist, but be challenged, sifted, and changed by the Word of God. And this is Season 10, Go and Tell. And we're digging into the first half of the Great Commission to embolden you to share God's Word during these tumultuous times. Join us and friends from 77 countries as we feast on spiritual nutrition. You can even be a partner that keeps the show going. Support the show at patreon.com. Now let's dig into the meal. Hey, what's up? Hello, hello. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome to be here. I know. My tagline. It is, it is. It's exciting, it's awesome. (laughs) It's awesome, exciting. You know what? When we sit here and talk about the Word of God and we chop it up with people, it is exciting because we're really putting out not what we want to talk about, but really what God wants us to talk about. And today is going to be really exciting. We have a a guest. They're going to come in with some apologetics and some critical thinking. And I just want to throw something, a thought out there real fast Mm -hmm. so that people can kind of come in and, and understand like where we're going with this. And really, when I was looking at this, the Apostle Paul and Timothy, it was in that relationship. And when I was looking through like that relationship and what's going on in 2 Timothy 2, 7, it says, consider what I say. So Paul is like, consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Well, when we look at that word consider, it's like to comprehend, to heed, to perceive, to think. All of these critical thinking skills that we would go through when we hear the word of God and we're about to present it. And why was he saying this? I mean, he just gave him this laundry list of ideas. It's like be strong in the grace, right? Things he heard from Paul. it's just amazing. Commit them to faithful men and then watch so that they can be able to go out and teach. This is what this is all about. This is about taking the word of God, absorbing the word of God, and then sharing the word of God. I think if we mistake it to being fed all the time and just sit there and eat the word, eat the word, eat the word, and then we don't turn outward. And I think that what we're going to do through this, this season of go and tell Mm -hmm. We're going to bring people on that are really going to be able to dial this in. This week we have someone amazing and we also have a special video that they brought with us. So we're going to play that first. So if you are listening to the podcast, this is a perfect plug to go watch us on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, congratulations. You're going to see the awesome video visuals as well as hear the really cool spiel. It's about two and a half minutes and then we're going to come in and introduce our awesome guest. So without further ado, here we go. As Christians, when people bring up the topic of evangelism, what do you think that means? Well, in my experience, people usually end up in one of two camps. Camp 1 says you need to talk about Jesus and live a life that's consistent with what you believe. And Camp 2 says, all you have to do is live a good life. It'll speak for itself. Well, first of all, it's a big jump to assume that anyone can live a good life, don't you think? I mean, Romans 3, 10 through 11 says, none is righteous, no, not one, and no one does good, not even one. That doesn't convince you. In Mark 10, a man comes up to Jesus and kneels down before him and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds promptly with, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, not only was Jesus subtly claiming to be God here, he's making it pretty clear that nobody is good except for him, hence the no one is good part. But this is the sideshow to the main event, folks, so step right up and let's get down to it. And let's assume when Camp 2 says good life, they just mean if you live a visible godly life, people will just by watching you understand all they need to know about God. Okay, let's play that out, shall we? And let's ask Bruce if he can help us. Hey, Bruce, hey. So Bruce grabs a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, and a Christian, and he tells you to follow each of those folks around, and after simply watching them, you'll know all you need to know about God. Now, each goes to a place every week and sits among like-minded folks. Each person prays. Each treats you with respect. Each loves his family. He's honest with his money. And is basically a nice person. So, 
Which God do you pick based on just watching them? Who's right? How do you know? What do you compare unless they tell you why they do what they do? Talking, it seems, becomes critical. No doubt nature reveals much about the invisible attributes of God, but how do you know exactly what he requires of you? I mean, who he really is and what his ultimate plan is without some kind of specific revelation from him. I mean, how would you know if your mother wanted you to paint the left wall of the garage red if it wasn't specifically communicated to you in some way, usually by writing a note or speaking to you? So, what did God deem the best way to communicate the specifics of his will? Did he summon porpoises to do a modern dance? Did he draw word pictures in the clouds? No. To communicate precisely the things he wanted you to know, he intervened throughout history and spoke through men, ultimately moving some of them to write the Bible. That is, he spoke and he wrote a note. How would we know if God created the heavens and the earth in six days, that Adam and Eve were created in a perfect world, but their rebellion brought sin and death into the world? That it's the grace of God through faith in Jesus alone that saves us? How would you know that Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave? How would you know any detail about God and his word and his plan if nobody told us? Well, we wouldn't. We couldn't. And that's why you got to tell people things. You, you just can't hope people will catch on by watching you live a so-called good life. It's just not enough. Ultimately, you got to tell them why you live that way. But don't just take my word for it, my inquiring Berean band of misfits. Read along in Romans 10. And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? Jesus himself definitively declares in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. It's kind of hard to baptize in the name of somebody without actually saying the name. And it's pretty difficult to teach people to observe commandments without telling them what those commandments are, right? I mean, I could go on until my mouth falls off, but suffice to say, Christians are commanded to live a life worthy of the calling, which irrefutably includes things like giving reasons and answers for our hope and engaging in a conversation about Christ. So this idea that you never have to speak out about your faith and all you have to do is live a good life and people will catch on has been debunked. Adios. All right, y'all. I want to hear what you guys think, because I think that was a very beautiful, articulate and super fast way to kind of set the stage Absolutely. for our guest. Our guest is Holly Varnum, and she is the director of curriculum development and with Reasons for Hope, an apologetics ministry with a mission to equip believers to fulfill the command found in 1 Peter 3.15. She comes to us as a wife, mom, educator, speaker and curriculum writer. She got her start with Abeka Book Publications and has written for ministries such as Focus on the Family and Answers in Genesis. Her passion for God. God's word has opened doors for her to connect with teenagers and Christian women about issues that are close to their hearts and motivates her to research, understand, and respond to their needs from a biblical perspective. So welcome, Holly. It's awesome yeah, to have you. Oh, I am so excited to be here. Of course, I hear you guys say that every episode, so I'm really excited today. Yeah, the excitement is always honest. Like, I think that we're always just really pumped to sit down because we don't know what you're going to say that's going to bless and feed us. And, and the hope is that you bless and feed everyone else. So really quick off the bat, reasons for hope. We gave a brief little explanation, but, you know, this is the season is about go and tell. So just for everyone to set the stage, how does go and tell align with reasons for hope ministries? Well, let me start with our key verse, First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Mm. So this is our mantra. This is what we're about, um, equipping and training believers to be able to boldly proclaim the word of God. Um, so we focus a lot on teenagers, but we realize we also have to focus on their parents at the same time. How we actually met Holly was through me and some other friends from church going to the Christian Homeschooling Association of Pennsylvania's convention a couple weeks back. 
and Holly blew us away. We pretty much went to all of her sessions, but it was very apparent how important and relevant your message was for this season. And so we, we pulled some strings, we moved some stuff around because what we're talking about today is so vital to like when you're thinking about going out there, but you're, you're unsure and you're, you feel insecure about it. These are the kinds of things, the principles of reasons for hope has and all the stuff that you're offering. That's the kind of stuff people need to hear up front. Right. That, that video we just watched. Yeah. That video we just watched. Can you explain that just a little bit as well? Because I think before we get too far, we're going to dig right deep into yeah. everything else and we're going to forget all about that video right. we put up front. Can you explain <laughs> what those videos are, how they came about and what you're using them as a tool for? Oh, absolutely. So back in 2011, our president and founder, Carl Kirby, had a dream or a vision of producing quickly paced apologetics types of type videos um, that could get the attention of teens and adults to make them want to learn more about God's word, about sharing God's word. Well, Carl was introduced to a gentleman named Bob Coons, and Bob had been um, producing similar type videos. So when they got together, Carl shared his vision and Bob put these together. We now have 21 debunked videos. So it's taking commonly known myths or things skeptics will say about God or the Bible and debunking them. Um, please do not expect me to speak as quickly as Bub does. He's got an art. He he just knows how to do it. Yeah, I think um, that was my next. That was like my next. Yeah. I'm like I'm like hold on. I, when, when when that was playing, I'm like wait. It, it was that because we like to watch things faster. <laughs> like we'll put things at like 1.5, 1.7. Is that his natural like speed? That is his natural. That's wow. impressive. That is awesome. It's pretty incredible. And if you knew the time he puts into researching and putting just the right words mm. together before he records that, it's, it's just incredible. And so... With those debunked videos being produced, because they're so rich, you'd have to watch them like 15 times, take notes each time and figure out, okay, how can I use this as a witnessing tool? So that's how I came aboard on Two Reasons for Hope. Carl Kirby reached out to me last summer and he said, Holly, what are you doing right now? And I said, praying for God to lead me in an amazing way somewhere. And he goes, well, I think I have an idea. He said, we have these debunked videos, which to be honest with you, I had not heard of or seen prior to last June. And he said, would you watch those? Because we are thinking the time has come to write curriculum for these debunked videos. So I spent a day and just went through them and went, wow. I mean, I was blown away by the speed, but also the content, it was so rich. So um, what I proceeded to do after that was to just immerse myself in everything about Reasons for Hope. Was this going to be a ministry that I could jump on board with 110%? Was it something that I could fully support and, uh, you know, just... Uh, use the abilities God had given me. And the more that I learned, the more that I said, this is it. This is where God is leading me. And so we um, started writing the curriculum back in September. And at this conference that I met Michelle at, we 
we're rolling out the first unit of this curriculum. And the video that you got to listen to or see today is in that first unit. You know, we're not just supposed to sit out, sit back on our haunches as a believer and just drink in and take in the word all the time. We are commanded to give it out. Amen. We are commanded to be able to defend what we believe, to know it first, um, and then um, share that out and make disciples and to share the gospel out. And so um, that is that is really the heart of what this curriculum does. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it makes sense because there's there's the faith and then there's the understanding and application of that faith. And a lot of time when you're engaging with people that genuinely want to understand more, their questions are going to come down to the application. It's like, OK, that's all well and good. But what does that mean mm -hmm. and how does it work? I remember I did not understand. I've said it multiple times on the show. I did not get why Christ dying had to happen and what that meant for me and how that paid for any of my sins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't until I plugged in to a church that just uses the Bible to justify absolutely everything that they're saying. If it does like, you know, 50 Bible verses at a time and it's amazing to get all of this context until I plugged in there, I didn't start getting all of this context so that I could then explain it. Like I was sitting around, like I barely understand this myself through my belief I'm saved, but how do I help answer questions? How do I help feed others more than just the initial when they are going to have inevitable questions? And I think that mm -hmm. that, that aligns so much with a lot of people's circumstance. Just yesterday I got an email. We get emails, you know, um, for people that are, you know, finding and discovering and writing things to see if maybe they could come on the show. And just yesterday, something crossed our desk. A research study just came out. Nearly 50% of American Christians have not progressed past the infant stage of spiritual growth because of factors including lack of church attendance, prayer, and Bible reading. You know, so it makes mm -hmm. sense why people might be feeling a little unqualified, even though God qualifies the called, right? They might be feeling justifiably a little lost in how to even start sharing the good news. Absolutely. I think, Michelle and Shay, what I'd love to do is kind of play off of our ministry name, Reasons for Hope, and go back to the word hope, because I think that is where it it all needs to originate so that we understand where our hope comes from, the source of our hope. Um, I was looking up some scriptures today, so I'm going to read a few here, yes. but Psalm 62, five for God alone. Oh, my soul wait in silence for my hope is from him. Romans 15, 13, um, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy spirit, you may abound in hope. And then um, another one that just really stood out to me, the apostle Paul in first Timothy says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope. So we have to look, first of all, is where does hope come from? And then as a believer, um, the hope of my salvation is because of that hope in Christ, we were saved. Um, Titus 3, 7 says we have the hope of eternal life. Colossians 1, 27, Christ in you, the hope of of glory. And then when I segue into, okay, I know the source of my hope. I know my salvation is a place of hope. 
and I have a hope beyond this life. But guess what? A byproduct of hope, 2 Corinthians 3.12 tells us since we have such hope, we are very bold. Okay, in order to be bold in sharing our faith, we have to know where the hope comes from and we have to have that hope. Well, where do we find out about that hope? God's word. And that is to me, the thrust of what we're talking about here. And what you just mentioned, Michelle, is it wasn't until you immersed yourself in God's word that you started understanding why you believed what you believed. Um, some statistics that I've been looking up as I've been working on this curriculum, I was shocked to read in a study that only 17% of those who are professing Christians and go to church regularly have a Christian or biblical worldview. Mm. Can you believe that? 17%. So do we see where the church is is failing? Right. right. It's amazing. And when we say church, we're not pointing to the four walls. I, I, I think I'm going to clear that up. Church is the body, the body of Christ, the mm-hmm. believers. That's where the failure is. This is what we're saying here. Um, I like what you're saying. I like, and, and, and if you haven't noticed her walking through a critical thinking steps, okay, look, hope. And then she goes to the word of God for hope. So now we're putting a biblical worldview to this. Now we're taking, okay, we take this word hope. I mean, people do this all the time. They're like, I feel sad. Bible verse sad. Okay. I get that. I understand that. And that's, look, that's a good first step. Yes. And that's exactly what Holly just did. She took hope and, and we'll get more into critical thing. Cause this is what you do. This is, this is you know, I, I did a military it is a little different, <laughs> but it's still watch this military life and death world life and death souls matter. This is about life and death, mm-hmm. but it was really cool to watch you say, okay, let's just go to the, my, you know, the name of our ministry and you broke out hope. And then you went to all the, the, these verses that really line up together and you walked through it. You didn't just start there. You started at hope, walked down to the next level of hope. And they even talked about why we have salvation in hope. And, and I, I like that. I liked what I was hearing there. I, and I like all the verses too. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I learned from that church it's so that refreshing. says a lot of verses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just want to make it clear though that we're talking about the body of Christ. That seventeen percent is the mm-hmm. body of Christ, yeah. right? Well, another statistic. Okay, here I am, the math math brain here. Um, <laughs> in a 2019 study that Barna Group did, seventy five percent of eighteen to twenty nine year olds were walking away from their faith. Once they were out on their own, they had been raised in the church, their parents were believers, walking away from the faith, 75%. So we could hang our hat on that and be discouraged and say, what are we going to do? Or we could look at the 25% that are staying. Hmm. What made the difference for that group? And so I dug a little deeper into that study um, because of my hope, of course. But um, so there are five, actually six characteristics of that group of 25% that are staying in the church, committed to their faith, going and telling others about that faith. So first of all, and this is pretty simple. And I, I say this, I'm speaking to a lot of parents when I'm going to share this list, because Mm -hmm. you are the catalyst here for your kids. So first thing, very easy. They ate 
dinner together as a family five out of seven times a week. Nice. How hard is that? Yet, how many times will you hear Christian parents say, we're so busy, we just, the kids are in sports or ballet or whatever, and we don't have time to eat together. How would you respond to that if someone told you that? Say, you can't afford not to do this. This is about your kids' eternal destiny. I mean, we want them to first come to know the Lord, but it starts with in the home, doing things as a family. Number two, that these young people served with their families in ministry. Our family, we had, um, we signed up multiple times to work in a soup kitchen and we would go, we'd prepare the meal. We have three daughters. We'd prepare the meal. We would um, serve the homeless as they came in. And then as they were eating, after we had cleaned up, we would go out to the tables and just start conversations with them. Mm. I cannot tell you how many times our daughters on the way home would say, wow, mom, dad, I had no idea people had so much need. And some of these people um, have been successful businessmen, lawyers, doctors, and they had lost everything. And I said, well, where should their hope be now? And they said, in Jesus. And it was because of um, them being able to come to that soup kitchen and eat a meal, and then the gospel would be presented, and that hope would be given to them. Um, and all they had to do was accept it. So um, we did things like that with our girls, or we would get involved in something that was going on at the church and be a part of that. Right. Um, so that's number two. Number three had one spiritual experience at home during the week. So what are those spiritual experiences? Praying together as a family, um, having devotions together, um, just asking, you know, is there anything you're struggling with? Or the kids feeling free to ask those spiritual questions. And the parents, if they didn't know the answer, saying that, I don't know, but let's find out together. So what I've shared so far, those aren't hard things for parents to do. Number four, that the kids themselves, these 18 to 29 year olds, got involved in ministry at an early age. Mm. Um, I know the one youth group that we were a part of uh, when my youngest daughter was in high school, the youth leader had the most amazing idea. He asked the church if we could do an offering to take up, um, to raise money so that the teens could come up with service projects and it would fund those service projects. Well, the one my daughter looked up, it was called Dress a Girl Around the World. Organization would send you the pattern. So we'd make dresses for girls of different ages. And these dresses would be sent to a missionary who was housed in the country um, where there was the where these needs were. Well, the big need was there was sex trafficking going on in these countries. Mm-hmm. These girls would be given these dresses, and on the dresses was a tag that said, um, "Sponsored by Dress a Girl Around the World." The fact that these girls had on dresses with those tags identified them with an organization that they were being cared for. And what that would do, it was would decrease significantly mm. the likelihood that those girls would be trafficked. Um, so my daughter did this research. This was a ministry she was allowed to be a part of as a young high schooler. 
And it made such a difference. And um, she's now a pastor's wife. But I attribute that to that early experience with ministry. Um, Number five was um, that these young people had at least one Christian adult in their lives that influenced them other than a parent. Mm. So think of um, the adults in your church, you know, that are going to influence your own children. And knowing how important that is, that's just as important as what you do as a parent. And then number six, which is kind of a bonus one, this was from another study that showed less than 5% of teens and tweens and 20s left the church when they had actually witnessed their own parents sharing Christ with someone. Mm. So we look at this list of six things on you know, how do we keep the kids in the church before we even get to how do we get them to share their faith? We got to have them keep them in and as an active part of the body of Christ first. And these are things parents can do to really make a difference in that arena. Can I add one? Oh, <laughs> yes. Go please. For can it. I add one? Please the, the, do. I, there's no statistic to back this up. <laughs> oh, but this man. is for our this is for our ministry leaders, though. This is for our people who are in the ministry mm, and that yeah. you have to your, your family is a ministry. I want to mm-hmm. make sure that that's there, too, because sometimes we can neglect our families when we're, you know, come on, I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> but one of the things that I, I made sure of was that I put it out to my leadership. that Hey, look, this day is off limits. You can use me any other day, but this day is off limits. Now, in that day, what you're talking about, we also involve our daughter. Sometimes, hey, there's something the church is doing, but you know what? We're together as a family. And I think that I'm listening to all of these things, like sit together, be together, be in ministry together, 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 Mm -hmm. together. It's building the family unit. It's doing the nuclear family. And it's exactly the order that God wanted. God never wanted the abandonment, you know, even, mm-hmm. even watch the disciples. Okay. Besides, you know, I don't know when they got killed and stuff, but, <laughs> but, but he, you know, they were always moving around the same area. You know, they were, they, you had, know, little teams they had little teams and, and they buddies. would move out and move out and back in. And so I just want to throw that one out there that for our ministry leaders, Hey, your, your family is important. It is actually your first ministry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the rest of it has to sit underneath that. But yeah, mm-hmm. just want to throw that in there. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed in all of this is like you just said, like the teams, yeah. you can also mm-hmm. get your children when you don't do it alone. And this is for the people listening that have ministries themselves. You know, last season we had someone on who was talking about parachurch ministry and, um, And it was like the first time I had ever heard the term, but there's a lot of silos when it comes to external to a specific church ministries, because they tend to start with one person's vision. And a lot of people end up trying to carry the burden alone. What happens? They're robbed of all of their time with their family. They don't have time to go out amongst others. They don't have much time left to serve and they're just doing it alone. But if you see this whole thing, the whole mission is to bring others in and Mm. you pair up and team up and invite people along, including your children, then your children get to be a part of it. And they might even be able to say, I led someone to Christ when I was 12, you know, because what I said, but they also get exposed to other adults who are just as passionate about saving souls. You know, like in our life, we have 
adults around us that we're always, you know, evangelizing with or do or serving with. And so our daughter gets a lot of engagement with others that are, are pouring in, investing in her because she's there and they get to yeah. know her. You know, she's she's that kid that's at church a lot and she's not always off doing something else. And so I think that this is all really important when it right, comes right, to yeah. going and telling and this is a recurrent theme in a lot of the episodes so far. It's like, go and tell your own family, right? But also, you don't have to do this alone. When you go and tell and you read the Great Commission, I think our, our stomachs drop because I'm like, you just imagine yourself on a street corner mm-hmm. with a sign or a, or a handout by yourself, not knowing what to do. But it's like, ask someone who's already doing it. Can can I join you in this? Mm-hmm. Can I, can I, I might not say anything for the, like, I think the first time I went with you, I didn't really say anything. And, and, and even now, oftentimes he breaks the ice and then I jump in. Now that the ice is broken, I'm, I'm in here, you know, I'm, I'm ready to roll. And that's just who I am. Right. But it's not an, this whole commission is not a solo job. Right. You know, you don't have to do it alone. And, and the fruits of doing it together seem to be very apparent through through the findings and everything else. So, so you've been doing this for a while. Uh, like how many? How long have you been doing this? Doing uh, their ministry, uh, ministries, so working with people, curriculums, curriculums, all that, all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. um, initially, when I wrote my bio for Michelle, um, I put decades, and I thought, wait a minute, that ages me. I do. I really <laughs> want to throw that out there. So I actually start. I was the product of those. Well, five of those six things. Um, I grew up in a home. My dad was not saved, but my mom was and raised us in the church. But my next door neighbor, he's still my next door neighbor. Um, He was my Sunday school teacher. He was my youth leader. He and his wife worked with us. So I had that influential Christian adult that wasn't a parent. And he was the one that taught me the importance of memorizing scripture and getting into God's word and going to God's word. Back when the phrase, what would Jesus do was really (laughs) popular. He ingrained that in my head. So Mm. I remember the first, well, probably I was 12 or 13 um, when he said, why didn't you lead the singing for Sunday school? So I started with that. He got me into ministry early. Um, then, uh, we were part of a, a group of small churches that did a Christian camp every summer. And when I was 15, I counseled a cabin full of nine-year-old girls. I look back on that and thought that was crazy for them to let me do that. But, um, but that was another thing. And it made a difference in my life because I had, Two, I've always been a firm believer. If I expect something of others, I got to model it myself. Mm -hmm. And so at the age of 15, I knew I had to model and I had to be committed to my faith because if any of those girls, if I wasn't, if any of those girls ever saw that I fell away from my faith, I'm responsible for them too. So, um, so I did, I got started at a very early age. I will not tell you how many years ago 
I was 15. I'm, I'm just not. No. I, I, I was just, I was just trying to set the, 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 I wasn't going for age. I was just trying to set the, set it up so I can ask this next question. Okay. So you, you put curriculum together, you talk to parents, you actually, it's, it's good to focus on parents. Obviously I'm, I'm hearing that you do put a focal point towards children as well. Mm. Um, and, and so how does that play out when they start coming back with like, so what? Like, you know, that's the new thing. So instead of what would Jesus do? It's like, so what? Like, okay. Yeah. So you go up to a parent. They're like, so what? How do you walk them through critically to for them to, to kind of understand where you're going? Well, I think going back to that topic of biblical worldview, it has to start with that. If it doesn't start with God's word, there's no guarantee that you're going to be incorporating truth into any kind of thinking. So we've got to start with the truth of God's word. And um, again, I'm going to throw out some Bible verses there because that has to be the crux of what we're talking about. Um, Psalm 119, 160 says the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Uh, John 17, 17, many people are familiar with this one. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Um, and then, of course, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes unto the father except through me. Um, so we got to start with truth. Any thinking that you want to do that um, is going to lead you to the right conclusion has to start with truth. And there's no better what place there is no place other than God's word to find the ultimate truth. Um, so we start there. And that is one of the problems, Michelle, you mentioned it earlier, that too many Christians aren't in the word. Therefore, they don't know the truth. And so their their decisions, their thought processes, everything is going to be tainted by the world's philosophies. Um, that biblical worldview is the crux of any thinking in the right direction. What I noticed someone say the other day, and it really makes sense into the conversation that we're saying, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to recognize that a lot of people who call themselves Christians don't even know who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that plays an important role, an integral role in what we're talking about here, because I'm pretty sure, you know, start the word, start the word. We, we just had a uh, we did a mini episode about that, about biblical worldview. And it's amazing how tainted we become through culture and society and and all of these things, emotions and all of the things that we let come and step in front of the word of God. And I just Mm -hmm. kept singing that I singing a song was I stand up on the word of God, the (laughs) B-I-B-L-E. Right, right. It's so cool. So cool. Yeah. You know, in Second Timothy 2.15, It mentions the right handling of truth, Mm -hmm. which tells you there's a wrong way to handle truth. Just right there. It tells you that the goal is to handle it rightly. How do you do that? By continuously going to God's word and also having a biblical worldview. Sometimes people ask me and Shay, you know, how did how long have you been in the faith? Did you grow up in the church? And it's coming up on 10 years in the faith um, for me and, and for Shay coming back to the faith. But it's not there yet. And they're like, how, well, you know, like you, you know, so much you, you might not be able to cite the verse, but you know, I'm like the, the answer I'm going to give now is I have a biblical worldview. What does that mm-hmm. mean? 
I have told God, I've conceded all of my conflicting opinions. Mm. I've let God throw them all in the trash. Oh, I disagree with the Bible. Oh, well, too bad for my opinion. It's gone. Mm. And when you do that, it's amazing how fast you grow. You know, I'm, I'm, people are getting to learn a lot about our home vegetable garden because I'm learning a lot about the Lord from it. But if you don't pull up the weeds, they smother Mm. things out. It's not just the thorny things that smother things out. Weeds steal the nutrients that the things you want to have grow because they're going to bear you fruit that will sustain you. They will steal it from them. And so when you have, when it's, when you, when you say, you know what, I'm a Christian now. Well, awesome. Praise God. You take that plant, you throw it in there and you don't bother ever coming back to check on it and pull up the weeds, there's going to be consequences Mm. in your reality and in your perceptions. And so it's so encouraging that if you just let, if you surrender all of that and you just say this book of God's word right here, that's where I'm going to go to seek out the truth. Mm. And anything that doesn't hold up to it gets to go away. Then that's going to be my fertilizer. That's how I grow. You know, like the the plants I have in there in little pots with a little soil, they're not doing as well. And so I had to finally admit that little pot's cute, but I need to take you out here and put you in some real dirt, you know, and they're doing much better now that they're not in this tiny little pot anymore. And so I think that that's, that's the encouragement is this biblical worldview is key to your own to your own faith walk to your relationship with the Lord and also sharing it with others because knowing what you believe and speaking it with the boldness that is promised for those who have hope that's what sits in and I'll even say haunts people because there were certain things that kind of they couldn't they wouldn't leave my mind even though I didn't have the Lord they wouldn't leave my mind little things that I had picked up from people who had strong convictions about Jesus And so I think that that's something to just reinforce to everybody listening, to all y'all, biblical worldview. If you still are like, oh, you know, I just kind of retrofitted God into what I already believe Mm -hmm. and I'm and and I'm just modifying morality. No, no, no. You're robbing yourself. You're not experiencing the full thing, but you can do it really easy. Mm -hmm. So, Michelle, you brought up the truth in God's word. How many of us? have memorized John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Mm. Okay. How many understand what happens right before that? John 8, 31. (laughs) So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, there you go. You are truly my disciples and Mm. you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. It starts with his word, like we've been talking about. Yeah. And um, when I was, you know, reading and preparing for our conversation today, and I went to, you know, the truth verses, and I backed it up and I'm like, oh, I forgot that 831 was there. It starts mm-hmm. with God's word. And that's just the natural progression. Start with his word. Um so one of the things that we had talked about at an earlier time was about what about those people who are afraid, helping them overcome fear of going out and telling. And again, if we use that biblical worldview and we go to God's word, what does God's word say about fear? Well, we know perfect love casts mm-hmm. out fear. Mm-hmm. So we don't ask for less fear. 
we ask for more love mm-hmm. toward those. We look at we look at those who don't believe as if we're rescuing them from the fiery pit of hell. We have right. to do that. We have to see them through the lens of God's eyes. And then another verse that comes to mind in Second Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And I remember one of my daughters when she was having some anxiety and I had quoted that verse to her and she goes, Mom, if God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, that means it comes from the devil. And I remember just laughing out loud. I said, that's so true. That's absolutely right. You know, that spear, spear, fear (laughs) comes from the devil. We, we could wrap that spear, fiery darts, shield <laughs> right. of faith. You know, I mean, we can, we can, we can yeah. make it. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Those, those fiery darts, those spears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes <laughs> me fear. think of a pit bull because they're like the dog everyone's scared of for, for some very justifiable reasons. Yeah. Right. But the owner of those pit bulls that have the bumper stickers, like I love my pit bull adoptee <laughs> or whatever. Right. Perfect love casts out fear. They are not scared of that pit bull. They love that pit bull. Mm-hmm. Right. They know yeah. what that pit bull's capable of, but they are not scared of it. They have a confidence. Most of us walking by that dog's house would not necessarily have if we didn't have the Lord. How much more can we have no fear of the people mm-hmm. out there that might act and look like pit bulls, especially when mm-hmm. they find out we disagree with certain viewpoints that they have, but we love them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're like the world. The, the devil wants me to see you as a pit bull that's going to bite me. But God wants me to see you as someone in desperate need. Yeah. A prisoner of Satan's that's doing his mm-hmm. will, whether or not you know it. And my war is not with the flesh and blood, but with what is trying to overcome you. And that, again, goes back to the right. biblical worldview. When it comes to apologetics, when it comes to critical thinking, the, the, the spoiler alert is a biblical worldview gives you critical thinking mm-hmm. because it allows you to see past all these veils that are billowing around. You know, it, it allows you to, to, to think and consume stuff with an accurate filter so that you can then discern what needs to go and what is from the devil. Like your daughter, she, booyah, that's exactly it, right? <laughs> when you realize that, then you don't see fear as something to be scared of. You see it as like this little gnat. That will not yeah. go away. And you're just swatting at it like, oh, I know your real origin and I will have none of it. Well, critical rank, uh, critical thinking yeah. starts at uh, capturing your thoughts. Yes. You know, let's let's just keep walking this. Let's, yeah, let's just okay. keep walking this. Let's walk this biblically because this is cool. Uh, this, this is the kind of conversations <laughs> that I love. Because when we sit there and we say, hey, God says, have no fear, have no fear, have no fear, have no fear, have no fear. We got to understand something. And it comes out of Proverbs 9, 10, where it says the fear of the Lord. So, mm. see, we got to understand, though, we sit there and we mess that up in our heads all the time. The fear of the Lord. Oh, my gosh. I can't. No, it's reverence. So watch this. The superiority of the Lord. He's above us. He's he's for us. He's not against us. He stands as sovereign. And we have to understand when we are standing there saying no fear. It's not because of what I can muster out of myself. It's right. what mm-hmm. I'm getting from God. It's him standing on sitting or Jesus sitting on his throne. God sitting on his throne. However you want to look at that because he's sitting at the right hand. So they are sitting up there in their sovereignty saying, I have you have no fear, my child. I have you. Jesus sits on the throne and intercedes for us. 
all the time. That is why he gave us the Holy Spirit. So when we sit here and say no fear, but watch this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. wisdom. <laughs> 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 so we're walking this down, right? And the knowledge, ooh, here we go. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, we, we just walk from, hey, have no fear. There's no fear. You can't, but why? Right. Why can't I put up a, a shield of faith and, and stop fiery darts of the enemy? Mm-hmm. Because of God. Right. Because of God. Yeah, that's, dude, wow. I love this. I love yeah. this. Oh, I'm all pumped up now, Shay. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know it's, and we, we, we understand this. And then, of course, it's like, as we get into that, then you start to learn about the discipline. You start to learn critical mm-hmm. thinking is so much of capturing your thought and allowing God to come in and do his work. Mm-hmm. It's like, hold on. I, and I use three P's and, and probably people on our show are like three P's again. <laughs> I know my life group, my life group is definitely done with the three P's, although I use it still. But they it's like, started doing it in their own life, though. So oh, there they you do. Go. So it's like, but we pray, we pause and we proceed. And, and I used to say pause. <laughs> And I'll tell you this because we're talking to you today. And it's like, I used to pause and then I'd get caught up in everything else. So now I'm just like, <laughs> Lord, Lord. And then I stop, I pause and then I proceed. I listen to what he's saying because it's really important in this biblical worldview that we're using the word of God. We're using prayer. We're using the Holy Spirit and we're really sitting to digest this. Be slow to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Quick to hear. It, 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 it just plays a huge role. Yeah. I did want to bring up one thing because it stuck out. I think it was in your first session at CHAP um, and you were sharing, you know, why does critical thinking matter? Because there are those who are like, well, what does that mean? Like, you know, faith doesn't need all this reasoning and apologetics doesn't save people. And I'm like, yeah, apologetics on its own. Right. If the person is just up for a good debate, like it's not going to you're not necessarily going to see a salvation Mm -hmm. at the end of the of that day. but it does plant seeds. It does help answer burning mm-hmm. questions. It does um, do a lot of things. But there was one thing that really stuck out. And it was when you said that um, one of your daughters uh, kind of walked away from the faith for mm-hmm. a brief period of time. Probably felt like eternity when it was happening. But It um, was, yeah. Yeah. Was. But you you said something about, you know, she was, she was always asking questions. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I don't remember exactly what you said, so I'm going to kind of leave that okay. to you. But that was such a powerful mm-hmm. tidbit to justify why it's important to have answers and defenses for our faith. So my oldest daughter and me being a young parent, um, learning as you go, they always say you practice on your first one. And I've apologized to her multiple times for that. Um but she was always asking questions. And because of the generation I was raised in, it was basically in my church, though I was well taught in God's word, it was considered a lack of faith if you asked too many questions. Mm-hmm. And so that was the generation I grew up in. And unfortunately, it bled into the initial years of my parenting. And so it was more of, don't ask why, just listen to mommy, you know, here's what you need to know. And so I spent the bulk of my oldest daughter's formative years telling her what to think, but not how to think. And when she got to that stage as that 18 to 29 year old stage, even though we had eaten dinner, we got her involved in ministry, all of this, we did not do a good job of answering her spiritual questions. 
And she walked away from her faith for several years. And during that time, when I would get together with her, that old judgmental me would come out Mm -hmm. and I would want to fix her. And it wasn't until I read uh, an article about those who have walked away from their faith and what they need is not our judgment and it's not our advice, but it's the love of God. And again, I think a lot of it stemmed from my fear of losing her, Mm -hmm. my fear of her walking away from her faith um, in a, you know, kind of a figurative way. But so I thought, okay, Lord, I don't have that kind of love to just be quiet and not say anything. I need your love. And that was when I truly delved into the depth and the breadth and the height of what the love of Christ Mm -hmm. does for us. And so every time we'd be with her, I would tell her, I love you so much and I'm praying for you. And I would say that, and this went on for probably two years. And one day she came to me after she had made a lot of bad choices in her life, fortunately none that were life-changing. Um, and she said, Mom, I'm, I'm ready to come home. I'm ready mm-hmm. to, to walk into the arms of Jesus again wow. and to renew my commitment to him. And she said, I knew through these past years of me testing out sin and, and you know, being that being a season of my life, she goes, I knew without a doubt that you and dad loved me and you were praying for me. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was it. That was, that advice was wonderful. And that's God's advice too. You know, yeah. that um, he wants us to love, love deeper than, than we can humanly love. It has, it's from him. So what she was experiencing was Christ's love. Mm. Well, that's, that's beautiful. Uh, that's like, so God. Right. And there's a song again. The battle belongs to the Lord. Yes, the battle belongs to you. I think it's the battle, yeah. battle belongs to you, Lord, yeah. because I think that we like to take on, like you said. I mean, um, we like to grab a hold of the throne sometimes mm-hmm. and kind of kick God out of it, be like, or Christ out of it, and say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm going to take your spot." And it never works out. I'm 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 the prodigal in this 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 scenario here. So I was prayed for and loved on as well, mm-hmm. which. I'm telling you, it made a huge difference. It never made me resentful. It never made me, it only, what it really did was brought me to like <laughs> the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the conviction that said, hey, yeah. no, you're, you're walking the wrong path. And he was doing a work in me while they were praying. And man, prayer is activism. It really does go at to the core of, of, of our existence and how we fight. We were talking about that too. This is spiritual. Yeah. Like this is really spiritual. We we try to bring it into the flesh. We try to bring it into the world, and, and then you know you, you you forget about the verse that says, "Hey, you're not fighting flesh and blood." And you're like, because you know, watch this. Another bad church move sometimes is, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're fighting your flesh. Well, it's still a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. Your, your flesh is still a spiritual battle. So we get caught thinking that we're fighting ourselves, and and we get all tore up. But I love that story. I love the story how she. You know, it was the relationship. It was like, you loved me, mom. And you guys were just praying for me. And, and it gave God time to work. I like that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Can I share one more yeah. statistic yeah, I have? Please, yes. absolutely. Okay. So um, in my research as well, I came across a statistic that just really grabbed my heart. It's a 56% of Gen Z. So those are your current teenagers. Mm-hmm. 
um, believe the worst about the future. Mm. And I thought, what? So I dug deeper into that. And one of the reasons was, and COVID did not help this at all, but feeling disconnected, mm. not having true relationships and connections um, and social media. Think of how that feeds into that, right. where you're not doing these face-to-face conversations, a sense of identity and a sense of purpose. And I thought, what an opportunity for the church to reach that generation right. to say, guess what? We embrace you. We want to welcome you into our connect, our connected community, and we want to have a relationship with you. Kids are craving this. And then guess what? In Christ, there's an identity that is unfathomable. I mean, you can read through Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 with oh, them. Yes, Who on. am I in Christ? <laughs> and then um, that sense of purpose, once they know the hope, once they have that hope in Christ and they know that hope, when they know that part of their role on this earth is to give a reason for the hope that is in them, that gives them that sense of purpose. Mm. So we can take that 56% and change it to less than 10%, I believe. Um, It's such an opportunity for us to share our faith and to get those that we're sharing our faith with to then become that next generation of sharing their faith. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. The thing, the thing that came to mind is it's not just about what I can say, but it's about more than that, what God can do. Mm. Amen. Because we, we so often, sometimes our love manifests in the worldly sign. (laughs) You know, there's a personality test that talks about basements versus balconies. Like you have this trait, but it can rear its ugly head or it can be great depending Mm. on, you know, the state of your self. And, um, we can love people so much that we panic and we try to put our hands in way too much. And there's some stuff. Exactly. You know, there's some things I do so much better on autopilot. And as soon as I start really thinking about it, I start I start messing it all up. (laughs) And that's kind of how we can be. And so what more do we need than just knowing I need to let this go? a lot. I need to stop striving so hard and making it like it's all up to what I say and do. I need to let God lead it. He's going to lead me in what I do and say, but he's also going to work in the unseen. I don't even recognize for the people. And so it's so important instead of just going out and pointing out all that is wrong with the unsaved. It's okay to lovingly share with the saved things, you know, and build them up, encourage and point things out. But with the unsaved, they just need the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they it, it can care. be so simple. Right. Um, one of the practices we have in our ministry is when we're eating in a restaurant, the waiter or waitress that comes to your, or server, I guess you're supposed to say, um, that comes to your table and you say, before I have my meal, I'm going to pray. Is there anything I can pray for you? Mm. And how many conversations, I cannot tell you, that is generated around either finding out that person is a person of faith or that they have a real need. And the fact that someone reached out to them, I think we miss a lot of opportunities by just not throwing that out there. Right. What can I pray for you? I love it. I love everything that's been said is so, so rich, so uh, full. Yeah. Um, Because again, it goes back to one thing. It it doesn't fall on us. 
mm-hmm. just have to be the recipients and we have to be yeah. available. I think that's huge too, just being available. Um, back to the statistics, availability is in through all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like every statistic that's that so you've true. thrown out was availability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'll, I'm going to speak in for the Gen Z for a minute. They, they don't care how old you are. They, 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 we've heard this from several of even, you know, Jin, what are you? <laughs> I'm Jin Y or Gen the millennials. Y, millennials. And then because we heard a millennial speak and then I've also talked, we're involved with youth as well. And you can really sit there and have good conversations if you just sit and listen. Mm-hmm. And, and they want to hear it's like it's like I think sometimes we shut them off and we cut them down. But everything that we're seeing is is being available. It, it, and, and in that availability, sometimes, you know, it's, it's better to stop in here and listen and say, hey, you know what? I'm here for you. I'm interested. Yes. Um, parents, I'm here. I'm interested. I want to hear what you have to say. I am. Um, you know, I won't go into the whole family makeup because some people like, you know, didn't have that. They didn't have the father that was believing or, you mm-hmm. know, or they don't have the mother that's believing. But, you know, I do see it in our own relationship. Um, I'll see her starting to get like the mom view, you know, and I'm like, hey, I got this. And I just kind of <laughs> kick her to the side because I think dad sometimes <laughs> I love my daughter, but I'm so I'm, and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the discipline. I am the discipline. But I read her in a way. I'm just like, give her space, you know, give her some space. Um, OK, just go go chill, Kalia, for a little bit. And mm-hmm. we have to live in that, though. But we all have to learn how to do that. We really do. And I, and I love your story. I really do. I think out of all this, the story of how you finally came to the realization of being available, but in a different capacity mm-hmm. than what we're geared to move towards. It was like, I'm yes. going to sit back and be available, but I'm going to be available spiritually through prayer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just amazing. This has been amazing. Yeah, no, thank you so much yes, for being here. So We're going to have all of the links in the show notes for Reasons for Hope, for the Impact Curriculum, so that everyone can get that, for the app. We'll have all of it in the show notes. Do you have oh. any final thoughts before we wrap? I have got to say, this has been one of the most um, inspirational hours I've had in a very <laughs> long time. You two... The way you frame things, the way you pull out of me, which what I need to say um, is just a gift of the Lord. And I want to thank I thank God for both of you. And so glad I met you, Michelle, at the CHAP convention. And I'm um, I'm pumped now. I'm ready to go to a restaurant, start praying for people. Amen. <laughs> so are we. So we're gonna, awesome. I feel like we're so a, we awesome. mentally bookmarked it like yes. that's happening. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. It's mm-hmm. been a, it's been a blessing. Yes. We, me and the girls definitely ate up everything that you said at all of your sessions, which is why I knew Shay would love you. Our listeners would love you. So we will definitely have all those links in there for everybody listening. All those links will be at thepantrypodcast.com. Remember, subscribe, like all the fun stuff to keep getting more. So until next time. But I want to end on this. I do. Okay. I want it to go out like this because this is something that we've been talking about. Second uh-huh. Timothy 3.16, right? <laughs> we all know this. It's all scripture that's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Amen. Love y'all. Love Bye. y'all. Bye. Bye. Be bold. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and catch other great shows on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Uplifted, and Eternity Ready Radio.